Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Animation Fascination Podcast. I'm Mark Overt, and with me again, as always, is MetQuest, but not actually because he was busy today, uh, busy with work, so today it'll just be me and our guest host, Rudy Obias. Hello, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, Rudy, where can everybody find you on the internet? Oh, wow. You can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Rudy underscore Obias. That's R-U-D-I-E underscore O-B-I-A-S. Autorcast.com, shotgate.com, giantfreakingrobot.com, and everything that is Rudy at RudyObias.com. Yeah. So if, if you enjoy Rudy on the show today, definitely go and check all those out as well. Uh, and if you guys haven't listened to our podcast before, uh, we focus on the entire world of animation. Each episode, we feature an animated series or film from the past or present, whether it's traditionally hand-drawn, generated or stop motion if it's animated it's up for discussion uh, with that we'll be back in a few seconds with our new releases for the week week uh monsters inc 3d you came out on blu-ray last week record elf 3d will be coming out on blu-ray next week on march 5th and phineas and ferb the perry files animal agents the dvd uh just came out this past tuesday on february 26th and Rudy, did you get to see monsters inc on 3d when it was in theaters or did you or did you even like want to go see it I guess. Uh, I I had I, I've seen Monsters Inc. when it came out back in yeah. 2002, I believe, is when it was, or 2001, yeah. uh, early 2000s, and I did not get a chance to check out the 3D up conversion of Monsters Inc. Uh, when it came came out, I think this past September when it was out in theaters, I, I missed a, a press screening of that. Was, but I do enjoy the movie quite a bit. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty good in 3D actually. The with the doors they added. Uh, a bunch of depth and oh, it, wow. it, was, it was pretty cool like seeing that like during especially during like the the big door chase sequence near the end of it you could see it, it like definitely added the added dimensionality to it you could it added a whole i don't know like spectrum to what was going on in that so it was cool to see it that way uh so th- this blu-ray is basically a re-release of the one they did a few years ago, uh, basically all they added though was the the 3D conversion of the film, and the Toy Story tune short Party Source Rex that actually played before Finding Nemo 3D when that was in theaters. Did you get a chance to see see that short at all yet? Uh, I did. I, I actually I did catch Finding Nemo 3D uh, when it did. Uh, I think that was yeah. I think that was last year as well, and. Honestly, I, I love Finding Nemo quite a bit, but I don't think the 3D really lent anything to the movie. But I did enjoy that um, Toy Story short. Yeah, Park Story Rex was pretty funny, and uh, there's there's a website called the Pixar Post where they actually uh, made their own version of Party Story Rex. Since at that time you couldn't go out and like buy an actual like merchandised version of of rex as the party source rex version so it's kind of cool go check that out at their site if you haven't seen it yet um and i I guess they actually sent it to pixar canada which was uh pixar's 
Canadian, obviously, uh, studio that produced Party Source Rex. So now it's chilling out up there in, in Vancouver. So I thought that was that's pretty cool. So, yeah, if you haven't seen that yet and you don't own the Monsters, Inc. Blu-ray yet, definitely go and grab that. Uh, if not, Party Source Rex, you can buy that in HD right on iTunes, too. Uh, the next one, Wreck-It Ralph 3D, was it was just nominated for an Oscar for Best Animated Feature this year, which we'll be talking about a little bit later. Uh, and the, the Blu-ray is going to come out on Tuesday, and there, there's some features on there, but I ex expected there to be a, a lot more on here for, for, I don't know, I guess how well the, the film did at theaters and how well it was received this past year. Uh, there's, it has Paperman short on there, which is pretty awesome, because, which was also nominated for an Oscar for the animated short. Uh, and it's also on the 3D version of the disc, too, so if you haven't had a chance to see it in 3D in theaters and you pick up this 3D pack, you can watch it in 3D on here, too. Uh, and there's also Bit by Bit, Creating the Worlds of Wreck-It Ralph, which is basically the... It's about a half an hour long uh, behind-the-scenes type featurette explaining uh, how they... They created Heroes Duty, Sugar Rush, and the Fix It Felix, Fix it Felix world, um, and how they wanted to make them feel different, even though all all these characters were being mixed together throughout the thing. Uh, there's a Disney intermission, which if you they kind of, they started this with the Muppets Blu-ray last year, or if you pause it, it just it doesn't just pause the movie; it plays like games or other things. On this one, uh, it's Chris Hardwick. Uh, Nerdist, basically telling you all the, the Easter eggs that are in the film and where you can find them. So I thought that was pretty cool if you don't want to go looking for them yourself, I guess. So it shows you like what's in the, the kill screen near the end of the movie and all the, the different video game character cameos that are throughout the film. And you can turn that off too if you don't want to, if you don't want to see that every time you pause the movie. Uh, the other thing that's on there are deleted and alternate scenes, which... Uh, there used to be a world in the film called Easy Extreme Easy Living 2, which was basically kind of like if you mixed Grand Theft Auto with The Sims. And this was an, another world that Ralph uh, journeyed to near the end of the film, but they, they thought by adding that, uh, it kind of detracted from his, his journey that he was having through the movie, so they ended up getting rid of it. And those deleted scenes you can watch with commentary optional commentary and an introduction by the director rich Moore. so it's i i would definitely say to pick this blu-ray up especially if if you enjoyed the film or rent it if you haven't seen it yet but it's it's definitely worthy of of all the acclaim that it got last year and what, what did you think about it rudy uh record ralph yeah. i i liked uh record ralph quite a bit i wasn't over the moon with it like a lot of people i think if you strip away the the video game the video gameness of it and the nostalgia factor it, it's just i mean i not to sound reductive but it's just kind of a typical uh typical animated film uh i i i but i did enjoy the like seeing zangief uh, from uh, street fighter and m bison and and uh sonic the hedgehog but i think overall it, it's an all right movie but i wasn't over the moon with it again i wasn't over the moon with it like uh, a majority of people were definitely uh, and I, I am glad though that they they at least didn't like rely on those those video game cameo characters 
for the storyline itself other than you know like for the Badanon near the beginning of it and they're not really even relying on it there it's just it's cool that that they're not trying they didn't try to like make them like a center part of the film but instead they're just kind of like they're off in the background and if you notice them that's okay if yeah. not that's fine uh and then the next one have, have you ever seen the the tv series Phineas and Ferb no I have not all right you need if do you have Netflix I do all right uh, all four, all three seasons are on Netflix and HD, and the movie that they did is on there in HD. So it's it's an awesome show, and you should check it out. But they just released a DVD of called Phineas and Ferb: The Perry Files Animal Agents, uh, and it comes with like a little spy kit for for kids and like binoculars and whatnot. Uh, and it's got about twelve episodes or so on there from the the first three seasons that are basically centered around the different animal agents on the show, mainly Perry the Platypus. And so, I mean, if you're a big fan of Perry the Platypus, this, these are basically episodes that center right around him and, and all his adventures on the show. Uh, like I said, all, all these episodes are also on Netflix instant. So if you have Netflix, there's really not that much we need to check this out unless you do have kids and they want the the spy kit that's in there. But yeah, so that's going to be that came out this past Tuesday and definitely you need to check out Phineas and Ferb Rudy. Cuz I'll awesome check show. it out. Right. I've added it to my Netflix queue as we speak. Cool. All right, everyone. So those are our new releases for the week. Uh, we'll be back in a few seconds with our news. So our first bit of news this week, uh, Pixar's Blue Umbrella will be making its U.S. premiere at South by Southwest Film Festival next month. Uh, I know our new writer, Matt Hardiman, is actually going to be going to check that out, and I'm really excited about that. I want, I can't wait to to see this in front of Monsters University later this year, because it's kind of, well, it is the first Pixar-produced uh, short that or feature that they've done that's they've tried to go extremely photorealistic with it and have you have you seen images from this yet rudy uh, i've seen i've seen a few but i i'm waiting to see the the short uh i'm sure yeah i'm sure we'll definitely see it before monsters university yeah and are, are you going to south by southwest or are you, you staying in, uh, in new york i i am not going to south by this year right. unfortunately <laughs> I've always wanted to go to that, so hopefully within the next few years or so, I'll finally be able to, you know, I've always wanted to. Uh, but yeah, so if, if you're going to South by Southwest, definitely go and check that out, because what I've seen so far for, like, the, the few clips and the images, it looks like it's it's going to be a pretty good short film. Uh, the the next bit of news, uh, Pixar has released a bunch of student and faculty uh posters this past week and then they also just released a kind of like class photo almost uh reminiscent of animal house style uh poster for the film 
what do you think about the character designs for some of the new characters and, and then that new kind of animal esque animal house esque poster, Rudy? Uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's uh, taking, I mean, some of the characters we love from uh, Monsters Inc. Uh, and making them look leagues younger <laughs> than yeah. what we saw them in, in the first Monsters Inc. movie. Um, this. I'm looking forward to Monsters University, namely because I know there's going to be a lot of, uh, I guess, imagination and character design with with all the the students. I mean, that was one of the be best things about the the first Monsters Inc. movie was how many different types of monsters there were, and they all seem very distinct and they had their own personalities. And I'm pretty sure we'll get the same thing here with uh, Monsters University. Yeah. Oh, and this this Dean character, <laughs> uh, he he. <laughs> he uh, he looks like he could be the uh, the bad guy <laughs> of this movie. Oh, oh the the Dean Hart Scrabble. Yeah. Oh yeah, she's she's voiced oh, yeah voiced by Helen Mirren. So, ah, so looks very snooty. Yeah. And, and then the their one professor, the Professor Knight, he he kind of looks a little bit like dinosaurish, so that's interesting too. And I like how for Randall's poster, he's going by Randy in college too. So I thought that was kind of a little funny thing with randall there uh but yeah i'm definitely looking forward to the the film with each little bit more of promotion to get for it i get more excited uh th the next one i'm interested to, to hear your, your thoughts about brett ratner heads to farmville uh did, did you get a chance to, to read this and um is, uh, brett, is brett ratner developing farmville as a movie uh brett ratner Joined with, uh, they're doing a TV version of Farmville, apparently. I'm not really sure what a uh, storyline would be for this. And, yeah, it seems like Zynga is really squeezing this cash cow of Farmville. <laughs> yeah. I don't uh, know uh, how well Zynga is doing. I, I don't I don't feel that they're doing uh, uh, as well as they used to. It seems like they're on the decline at the moment. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and... You don't really associate quality that, that often with Brett Ratner anymore. So, I mean, hearing about this, you know, I mean, Farmville itself, I can't really see what they would do with, for a TV series. I mean, I'm pretty sure it would be aimed for ages 2 to 6, and that would be all it would be, you know, good for, for those ages to watch. And he, Bert Ratner said, Farmville is one of the most exciting brands out there today, and it cross, it, its cross-platform opportunities are endless. I'm thrilled to be expanding the brand with existing fans and also engaging a whole new audience. So, yeah. Uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to, to see how that does and what exactly it'll look like for like the animation style and everything involved with that. Uh, and then... The, one of the, the other kind of things dealing, I guess, stemming from Facebook, because that's that originally Farmville kind of, you know, get its popularity from, is that Facebook and former Pixar artists actually teamed up to create new versions of emoticons that I guess Facebook will be using in the future. They look a lot more expressive and animated than, than the ones I guess that they're using right now. And since they're designed by former Pixar artists, they kind of have like that feel to them. And what the pictures of these that I saw, they kind of look um, like we were talking about Wreck-It Ralph a second ago. They look like 
like sour bill from that just because of how the fact that they're only the circle well this these emoticons just remind me of of uh aol instant messenger in the late 90s (laughs) (laughs) i mean uh i i mean to me it really looks like web 1.0 like the the early the the early findings of of the internet i don't know how well these are going to do on facebook per se i mean unless Facebook is charging you to use these emoticons. Yeah, and I'm not sure if they'll be animated because I know, how, like, since we're using Skype right now to to do this, they have emoticons on here that are animated. So I'm wondering if, if these that they're developing for Facebook will also be animated like that. So I mean, it'll be interesting to to see that, I guess, and just another thing Facebook's trying to to add to to their ever-growing presence. <laughs> uh, and then the next thing is kind of a, is actually a huge topic right now in in Hollywood and the, the entertainment industry is the visual effects protests that happened at the Oscars. I'm interested to hear what you you, you think about this, Rudy. Uh, yeah, the, the, the production, the post-production house Rhythm and Cues, I believe, um, who did, who actually, they just, won the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects for uh, Ang Lee's film Life of Pi. Uh, they just recently filed for bankruptcy. And uh, this trend of, um, it seems like a lot of visual effects houses, a lot of movie studios are sourcing their uh, effects work overseas uh, where it's a lot cheaper, therefore leaving American jobs, especially these highly technical, technically sound and highly trained uh positions uh to be no more and it's it's definitely unfortunate because this seems to be the reason why people watch these movies not just for this like the star quality like talk about the avengers or something yes people are there to see robert downey jr and chris evans play iron man and captain america respectively but they're also there to see the spectacle of it you know they're there to see the visual effects and how real to life and how exciting those could be it's one of the reasons why people pay money to see movies. And if visual effects houses are going to go overseas, uh, leaving these American jobs uh, out in the cold, it's just kind of unfortunate. I mean, what kind of quality of movies are we going to be getting in the future if we we can't make them homegrown here in, in the United States? Right. And and there's, there's actually a few cool videos on the Industrial Light and Magic uh, YouTube page that show... The process of everything that they actually did add and put into the Avengers, and if you were to watch the Avengers without any of the visual effects, it wouldn't nearly be as you know as grand and you know action-packed as we see it with all those in there. And there, there's some photos that have been going on the internet too, showing Life of Pi without Rhythm and Hughes, and then Life of yeah. Pi with Rhythm and Hughes. I, I've seen some of those, and it 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 just it boggled my mind because I saw Life Life of Pi. I saw I was at the world premiere of that film in New York, and I was blown away by the look of the film. I did not know what was real and what was not. It, it was seamless in my estimation. And when I saw the production photos of of Life of Pi and how they really shot that on a soundstage, I was I was dumbfounded. I mean, it, it, watching the film, you feel like this boy is out in the middle of the ocean and clearly he's not uh, it, while they're ma- like while they're, during production while they're making the movie but it's it just makes it the the, the work rhythm and hughes have done 
uh, doing post production on the film is just uh, is just absolutely magnificent. Yeah, and I mean, with without them, there really wouldn't be that much of a, a film. Because exactly. one of the the major relationships in the movie is with the main character and and the tiger, Richard Parker. And if that tiger's not in the movie, then there's not as much of like as an emotional attachment to the film. As and like almost ninety percent of the time, you like when I was when I was watching this, I was trying to figure out if they ever actually used a real tiger in the movie because, because of the, the effects with that, that tiger, it looks, yeah, it looks like it's real. So. Uh, at, the, at the world premiere of, of life of Pi, Ang Lee actually introduced the, the movie and there was um, a press conference afterwards. And he said that they did use a tiger in some shots, but it's, it's a good mix between a real tiger and a CGI tiger. Definitely. And if if you guys are interested in in checking more out about this story, our one of our new writers also wrote a piece about this on the website Phil Stenton, Shenton, so go check check that out. Uh, and and actually, if if you're seeing all all the these green avatars around Twitter and and Facebook, that's that's what they're about is they're supporting the visual effects solidarity movement that's going on to try to form. Uh, uh, form like a, a union for visual effects people so that they can actually you know get, get paid more and and have have a lot more rights than they they do now within the industry so hopefully that gets worked out soon and they start getting that taken care of so that more more of these artists don't lose their jobs uh, and kind of going from bad news from that going to more bad bad news of people losing their jobs uh DreamWorks Animation has actually announced that there will be layoffs later this year, and as well as their 2012 financial results. So, as as a result of how they did it at the box office last year, they're actually going to be laying off about 350 employees, which is about 15% of their workforce. So, it'll, it'll probably be mostly their production team, but also will affect other departments. So, it, it stinks that that these studios aren't, aren't doing as well, I guess, so that they're having to lay off all of these these artists that are working on these films. And, and as part of that, as we talked about this last week, Mr. Peabody and Sherman uh, from got moved from this November to March of next year, which has now bumped Me and My Shadow, which was previously coming out in March next year. It's back into development, which thinks, because I was, I was really looking forward to that as going to be another... It's going to be a CG uh, hand-drawn hybrid film uh, with the shadow being hand-drawn and whatnot. And so, I mean, it's it's depressing to see all these people getting getting laid off. It's, what do you, what do you think about that, Rudy? Well, it's definitely a, a, a sad thing, and it's. I mean, I I'm worried about the quality of of these movies in the future if if um, skilled technicians and and artists are getting laid off. I mean, again, it's one of the reasons why we go watch these movies. You know, uh, outside of the engaging story storyline, we want to watch uh, realistic and dazzling animation and effects. Yeah. So I mean, hopefully, they start doing better this year, so that no more layoffs have to happen, and 
and it all gets resolved, and everybody has a happy ending, just like in the movies. Uh, the next two things are a little bit more uh, to cheer up your spirits, I guess. Um, one of the producers of... I mean, this kind of sounds bad, but it, it's funny at the same time. One of the producers of Paperman at at the Oscars after Paperman won the Oscar for short short film started throwing paper airplanes with uh, a lipstick kiss on them to celebrate the win. Got she had Christina Reed got kicked out of the Dolby Theater because of that. And then after like a, a short protest, I guess from people that were there, she got. She was let back in. What do you think about that? It's it's it's, it's silly. I mean, I, I don't understand why she got kicked out. I mean, I, I guess it's a it's a little irreverent, but you know, I mean, it's the Oscars. It's a, it's a it's a party, and they, they just won uh, the Academy Award for for Best Animated Short. I mean, I I mean, I'm, I'm happy that she was ultimately let back in to the yeah. ceremony, but I think it's just kind of a, a silly thing. Perhaps a security guard or security team drunk on power, you know, type of situation. Yeah. Uh, and then the last thing that we're going to be talking about is we just talked about the the first film. Uh, Wreck-It Ralph has actually been talked about a, past, a couple times about possibly doing a sequel to that now, which would be one of one of the few Disney canon films that's actually gotten another theatrical uh, sequel to it. Uh, so Rescuers and Rescuers Down Under and then Fantasia and Fantasia 2000 were the, the first films that had the sequels like that. But Rich Moore was talking about ideas that he had for a possible sequel where his, his, are all the Ralph characters in the exactly like the one we met in the first one? Or if there's different Ralph characters in uh, different uh, Fix-It Felix arcade uh, consoles, other places, and if Ralph met them, would they think the same way or if there's like I guess Super Smash Brothers type games and there's a Ralph character in that and I guess they're talking like more more or less more crossover or and Ralph meeting himself in, in other incarnations like that what do you what do you think of you know, a possibility of a film like involving that type of storyline I think that would be interesting to see uh, I, I think namely just to see Ralph find another Ralph you know who's who's exactly like him, but I, I can just imagine uh, the other Ralph that he would meet would like being the bad guy and yeah. wouldn't want to get uh, the, the 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 medal, you know. And I, I I think that would be pretty interesting to watch. Yeah, and I, mean, it's, I guess it's interesting that Disney has this no sequel uh, platform. I mean, outside of the Rescuers and the Rescuers Down Under and the, the Street to DVD stuff. But there's a lot of straight-to-DVD yeah. stuff. And, I mean, I think it would be silly for Wreck-It Ralph 2 to be straight-to-DVD, considering that Wreck-It Ralph made so much money. Right. And Pixar gets to do a lot of the sequels. So uh, I, I guess why wouldn't Disney? Definitely. And I'm, ac I'm actually surprised that they've that there was never any mention of doing a sequel to Tangled with how well that did. But I guess... The short they did, the Tangled Ever After, kind of fills that that spot. So, uh, with that, yeah, that's our our news for the week, and we'll be back in a few seconds with our new trailers.
their trailers for the week. Uh, the first one is Justin and the Knights of Valor 3D. Uh, it will be coming out later this year. And the, the film's premise is it's set in the magical world that children still dream of. Justin and the Knights of Valor is a story about the determination of a kid to fulfill his dream. A story about friendship, honor, and courage. A heartwarming story filled with adventure, action, and fun. So, what did what did you think about this trailer? <laughs> uh, I I don't think this uh, this movie is is aimed to me. I mean, it looks like um, a, a lesser version of uh, How to Train Your Dragon. I mean, I think it's a pretty difficult thing to um, make an animated film that would appeal to adults as much as it does for children. It looks like this one would just appeal to children more than adults. Yeah. And the, the animation style in it, it kind of looks similar to, I don't remember which studio did them, but these films that came out a few years ago called the happily never after. And it's kind of in that, it looks like that same kind of uh, character design. And I don't, I mean, the story doesn't look like it's, it's that well done. Uh, one of the characters kind of looks like if you mixed uh, Laguini from from Ratatouille with uh, Ron Weasley from Harry Potter, which, which I think is supposed to be Justin, the main character. Uh, but I mean, I guess I'll I'll wait to see what more we we see about this. And it's definitely not from a bigger studio, and so I mean I won't judge it like too harshly. But and a lot of the animation actually does look pretty well done. So I will give it that. It doesn't look as as badly animated as uh, Alpha and Omega did when that came out. But I guess we'll have to wait and see to a little bit more about this film before we, we judge it too harshly. Uh, and the, the next one is Disney Toon Studios Planes. Uh, I just... I found the trailer for this actually the other night on on that Phineas and Ferb DVD that I was talking about, which is random that, that they, they would throw the second trailer for this on there because I hadn't seen it online before. And actually, I posted it online today. And shortly... Yeah, I, short, I, I, yeah, go ahead. I was going to congratulate you. I saw that this was uh, actually picked up by a number of sites today uh, from from your uh, from Animated Fascination. So congratulations on that. Thanks. But and then yeah, and then shortly thereafter though, uh, there's an email that received from Disney asking me to take it down. Oh bummer. They didn't want want it up. I saw somebody else ended up getting to put it put it up. So if by the time this podcast is out, it's not online anymore. If you have the, the this the Phineas and Ferb DVD I talked about, it's on there. So, uh, but I'm interested to, to hear what you think about planes before I give my thoughts about it. It's and. To be clear for other people, it's even though it's set within the world of, that Cars took place in, it's not produced by Pixar at all. No, it, this I, I believe this movie was supposed to be straight to DVD movie yeah. from from Disney, um, but since Cars is, I, I believe Cars is the most successful Pixar movie of yeah, all time. At least with merchandise, it is. Yeah, in, in terms of merchandising, which is principally why they made. Uh, cars too and you don't have to be a genius to put two and two together that they would probably make more money disney would make more money if they put if they theatrically released uh, planes um I, I believe john crier was originally the voice of of the 
the dusty crop crop hopper. Yeah, but I don't know. And he re he was replaced uh, for the theatrical version of it. Yeah, which I'm not sure what happened there. Like why they would they would get rid of him just because they were doing a theatrical release for it. Yeah, maybe because his voice doesn't play so well uh, on the big screen as it does at home, or perhaps they can get more people into the theater with a recognizable name uh, that's not John Cryer. I mean, I, I know who John Cryer is. Yeah. You know who John Cryer is, but it doesn't seem like... Um, Charlie Sheen doesn't know who John Cryer is. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, I'm not sure who replaced uh, him in, in the, the, the theatrical version, but I saw the trailer and... It's not bad. I mean, I, I, I'm not one of these people who hates Cars or, or Cars 2. I actually think Cars 2 is better than the first Cars movie. Um, I mean, they're they're definitely not at that level of Pixar that most people hold it high as, like Ratatouille or The Incredibles. But I think that's a very unfair estimation of, of, of these movies. I mean, if... Um, let, let me try to get my thoughts together on this. If um, if a studio, let, let's say the movie um, Oblivion, when that comes out, that, that movie was put out by Universal. And if you compare that movie to like another Universal movie, well, I think that's just kind of unfair. You right. know? I mean, what, what does Universal have to do with the quality of, of the film? You should really just judge the film and review the film based on the film itself and not the past uh, films of the studio. Uh, I, I, I never do that in terms of like if a movie was bad or even if a movie was good as like, oh, you can clearly see that this studio is getting better and better. I, I just think that's grossly unfair to the movie. Yeah, because you want to you judge Jurassic Park against Knocked Up. Since yeah, both, exactly, so. which are both universal. Like, oh, I didn't like Knocked Up. Oh, why not? Well, it wasn't as good as Jurassic Park. Yeah. What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> That that makes absolutely no sense to me. Like I, I didn't like the Avengers because it wasn't as good as, um, like another Disney film. You know, it wasn't as good as Dumbo. Like that that is that does not make sense to me. And I I feel, I I was so every review that I read about Cars made that point, and I thought that was, that was just sickening. <laughs> like that should not be the basis of your film review. The same thing with Brave. Yeah, that, that kind of happened had, with Brave, too. Brave had that thing, too, and I think it's completely unfair. I mean, I don't think Brave is a great movie. I don't think it's a bad movie, either. Um, but I think a lot of people were dumping on it more so because it came from Pixar. And comparing Brave to The Incredibles, well, they're different movies, A. And directed by different people. Directed by different people, probably different animators, different writers. The only thing they have in common is they, they come from the same uh, collective or the same uh, studio. Uh, judge the movie on its own merits. And, 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 and in saying that, you know, I don't, I don't think Brave stacks up to be a, a, a movie that can stand on its own. But I, I don't think it's, it should get points knocked off uh, by it because it came from Pixar. Right. Uh, I'll get off my high horse <laughs> and my soapbox. Yeah, and then like the storyline, like we had, didn't really know anything about that much about planes yet. And with this trailer that came out, it, it kind of lends a little bit more of an idea of what the, the storyline is going to be. Where it's almost kind of like the exact opposite of what was going on with Lightning McQueen, where where he was like a you know like a big kind of like big city racer that was rookie but doing really well at racing in the original Cars film. And then with this, it's a like a essentially a uh, dust cropper by a biplane that wants to 
essentially be flying as fast as like jets and whatnot and and race like that that that's what it looks like is coming off of the storyline from this trailer and i guess what's going to be happening with him in there i mean there are some uh vehicles in the the film that aren't airplanes there are some uh like forklift cars and there there are just some like regular cars so i'm wondering if there'll be like any any cameos of characters that we've seen in either cars film well i i i i i don't know i mean i think I believe because this is under Disney Tunes and Disney has, um, I mean, Disney and Pixar are the, owned by, I mean, they're the same umbrella, but yeah. I think that there's some license, licensing things here that uh, go into play. And so probably we won't be able to see some of the characters like Lightning McQueen or whatever from, from Cars um, in, in Planes, in this Planes movie. Yeah. Uh, and I- and I already know there's going to be tons of people when this comes out in theaters that that will assume that it's a Pixar movie. And even though it doesn't say Pixar anywhere with it, the the only thing really that it has to do with Pixar is that it, it comes from being a spinoff of that, and that John Lasseter is a producer of it because, and only because he's the head creative officer for both Pixar and Disney right now. So, well, I mean, there's still people out there that don't know the difference between Pixar and, and Disney. DreamWorks or. Well, yeah, or any any of, yeah. of that. I mean, it, it's just all animated. I mean, I, honestly, I, th- I think children just think it's just all animated. I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't yeah. know the difference between Disney and, and Warner Brother movies. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't expect a kid to know the difference, but there's like, there are people that are in their their thirties or or forties that should be able to at least know the different studios. I guess I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking that way, but just because of how inundated and much my my life revolves around film and, and animation so i just assume that everybody else should should know the different studios and what films they're coming out with so i don't know but yeah i mean like like you're saying this film doesn't doesn't look that bad and if people are wondering uh, what else disney toon studios did uh they did the last film that they did that was released theatrically was Pooh's heffalump movie back in 2005 uh, but they've also been producing the the Tinkerbell movies that have been coming out straight to DVD and and a few few uh, like Doug's first movie if you remember that yeah so they they did a few other films like that basically uh, so yeah that's Planes the this next one Silver Circle um, if did you ever watch Reboot no oh uh, the uh, like early two thousands yeah or? the the cartoon. That that was I don't remember I don't remember which studio did it but it, it was a animated series that was like just like around when CG like animation was yeah. like first uh, I, I, yeah I totally remember this and and the animation in that looked looked better than <laughs> the animation in the, this trailer for this film Silver Circle uh, it kind of looks like it's like I don't know if it's like a mix of cell shading and and CG animation. Uh, it's coming from the studio Two Lanterns Media, which I've actually never heard of before. And it's, it says it's coming out in theaters on March 22nd, which I was actually surprised. I thought it was going to be like one of those movies you'd you know see on the shelf randomly at Blockbuster or in a red box nowadays. But what did you think when you watched the trailer for this? Uh, I, th- I thought it was pretty subversive. I mean, I, I like playing with the, the, the medium of, of animation and... Uh and cgi that 
you know, just because it's animated doesn't mean it has to be for children, right. you know, or even n- not even stuff like you would see from Pixar and Disney that would be that would cater to both audiences, uh, children and adults. I mean, this is I think strictly for adults. Yeah, it's PG thirteen. <laughs> yeah, I don't think kids would um, understand the the politics behind uh, <laughs> uh, behind the film, but I, I I like when when filmmakers and and um, animators you know think out of the box and and do something. A little different um it's i i i i'm curious to see what what this film is about it seemed pretty interesting to me i mean i i, I can go on and on about uh, the federal reserve and, and the bank of and the banks of this country <laughs> and um i think this movie really tackles that that instance yeah um I, I I'm not gonna say I don't know if this needs to be animated because it, it needs to be animated because the the directors the filmmakers wanted it to be animated and I think that's enough for the, for the need. Um, but I, I'm very curious to see what this what this film is all about. Yeah. I, I would say ki- uh, don't parents don't take your kids to this one. Yeah, uh, and the, yeah. The synopsis for Silver Circle is it focuses on a group of underground rebels led by the charismatic charismatic yeah charismatic Zoe Taylor. Uh, who is played by Filana and Mia. Uh, under Zoe's leadership, the rebels outmaneuver the oppressive Federal Reserve while creating a guerrilla currency based on silver. Following a house stab, Department of Housing Stability protest where one of the rebels is killed, Zoe confronts a straight-laced federal agent, Jay Nelson. Uh, and I, I, when, when I was watching this, I mean... I won't be like too hard on the animation because I mean it might be trying to be experimental or be its like own style or something like that. I think what threw me off was uh, I don't. I'm assuming that the federal agent Jane Nelson is the this bald character, and whoever is playing him, uh, doing his voice in the film, I didn't think his acting was that well. At least that's what I was getting from the the trailer. So that was that was kind of throwing me off. But I mean, I, I guess if if this is available ever on i probably won't run to the theater to see this but if if it's on netflix instant i'll, I'll check it out on there definitely uh, so that's that's silver circle and then the last one is the one out of these four that i'm looking the most forward to uh cloudy with a chance of meatballs 2 which is the sequel to sony animations cloudy with a chance of meatballs uh, this was originally titled "Cloudy 2: Revenge of the Leftovers," which I liked that title a lot, a lot better because I thought it was, you know, more original than just slapping a number two on on the original title. But I love how kind of colorful it is, and and it has basically if you mixed the first Call of the Chance of Maples with Jurassic Park: The Lost World, yeah. that's what this movie essentially is. Yeah, that, that I can see that comparison there totally. Uh, yeah, and I really like the, I like all how like imaginative all the, like the food slash animal hybrid creations are in this. You have the, like, there's, um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. There's a banana that looks like a dolphin. Uh, there's, we, we talked about this before. There's shrimp pansies and I, I liked a lot of the jokes that were in this trailer too. There's one with, uh, Terry Crews as, the cop, I don't remember what his, his his name was from the first film, but he's talking about like how manly he is, and it could all, can also make like he can make you cry, and there's a tear coming out of his head or out of his eye, 
and he's like, "You get back in there." Yeah. So I thought that was pretty funny. What did What did you think about the trailer? Well, I, I haven't. I, I I'm gonna admit something. I have. I still have yet to watch the first Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, but this trailer does look very bright and, and colorful and and a lot of fun. I mean, who doesn't? Enjoy, I I am notorious for liking puns. I I enjoy pun jokes, and play uh, wordplay quite a bit. And this this trailer was chocked full of them, so I, I couldn't fault it at that. Um, I, I have a feeling if I did watch the first Cloudy and the Chance, uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, I, I would be uh, keen to watch the the sequel. And actually, I like the um, the original title as well. I think that just invokes a lot of creativity by changing the title from the first movie to the second. But I think at the same time, you kind of want that name uh, brand recognition. Yeah. Is probably Sony's reasoning why they just made it cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs too. Yeah, that's probably like like you're saying that probably is mostly the reason why they did change it from cloudy, cloudy two to the cloudy with Chance of Meatballs too. But but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to this, and I can't wait until September 27th when it comes out. So and and I'm I'm going to call it now that it, this will be one of the best feature animation Oscar nominations for next year. Yes, so. probably. I, I can tell you right now, it's probably not going to win, though. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming right now it'll be it'll be Monsters University, Frozen, this, uh, maybe Despicable Me Two, mm-hmm. and what else? Uh, maybe may, maybe the Crudes or I'd probably pick Crudes over the, over Turbo right now if I was always gonna go with one of the DreamWorks movies, but yeah, so I think that's what it'll be next year. But yeah, definitely if you have not seen this yet, we have the trailer up on the website, so go and, and check it out. And it's too bad that Matt wasn't able to come out tonight because one of his favorite animated films of all time is the first Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. So definitely gonna see what Matt's thoughts are next time he, he's on the show or the next episode, obviously. But yeah, so those are our trailers for the week, and we'll be back in a few seconds with our recommendations. our recommendations for the week uh my recommendation is it's actually on the cars 2 blu-ray if if you guys own it it's john lasseter day in the life uh, full-length documentary it's about 25 minutes long and it was filmed about about two years ago and it basically just follows him around for the entire day during the, the production of cars 2 it's it's uh, a cool and kind of informative video showing what exactly he goes through every day is being essentially the creative head of the studio. Everything that he goes through and has to be in charge of. Uh, so, like, there's this. It shows like how how many of those Hawaiian shirts that he owns mm. at home. Um, and then as he's tra- traveling to work, there's he's got this thing set up on an iPad where he can review the animation shots and whatnot for the day, and then. 
I guess, send in an audio file or, or and let them know that they're approved or not. So I thought that was cool that they're, how the technology is helping them. And it shows exactly how much, like, he had to do, like, all in that day. He had to have a scene re-looped for something so that it would be... It wouldn't be as offensive, I guess, to Japanese audiences because it had some mention of radioactivity in it. Mm. So they didn't want to, I guess, offend any Japanese people because of that. Uh, and then him going in and reviewing uh, this trailer that they were going to show at CinemaCon that year and not liking the way the audio was mixed in that. So they had to go back to putting in the, the scratch score instead of using Michael Giacchino's, like like they wanted to and it, I, I don't know it was just really cool to follow follow him around within that and kind of see what type of guy he is and i mean i'm sure it's it's edited uh, to to make him seem like a better guy but i would assume that he's, he's a pretty nice guy i've never met him myself but from the people that i have seen that have met him or do know him i've never heard anything bad about him so and, and I'm, I'm glad he, he's right now the current creative uh head to both disney and pixar because he's because he's kind of reinvigorating all of like basically what it was back during like the disney renaissance like in the early 90s and late 80s so i'm glad that he's there now and and doing that for the company so what, what do you think rudy yeah i mean i i have not met john lassiter myself but i I was just telling from his general demeanor, from what I've seen in in bonus features from Pixar, he seems like a good guy. And I, I do think him, um, you know, spilling over from Pixar to Disney can only be a good thing. Uh, he, um, I mean, the, the recent stint of, of Disney films that we've seen uh, are pretty top tier. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I know at the top of the show, I, I, had, I was on my high horse or my soapbox saying, how dare people compare uh, cars to the other Pixar films because I just think it's unfair to the, the film itself. Um, I, I do think that John Lasseter as a as a writer and director uh, from Pixar is probably the weakest stuff Pixar had to offer. I mean, I do like the the Toy Story movies, and I uh, but I, I feel that that stuff is is weak compared to um, The Incredibles and uh, Ratatouille and actually just the, the Brad Bird stuff in particularly. Um, I, uh, even A Bug's Life, I think the Bugs, Bugs Life would probably be my least favorite in the, the Pixar group, to be honest with you. No. That's my, I think that's my, my favorite John Lester movie. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I'm sorry that I broke your heart. It's okay. Uh, every, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, that's my recommendation. So what was your recommendation for the week? Yours, yours actually has a lot of animation in it too, because visual effects are animated. Oh yeah, like uh, practically half of this movie or a majority of this movie is, is visual effects. Uh, I, I'm actually going to recommend, uh, the, the latest film from Brian Singer, Jack, the giant slayer, which comes out in theaters, uh, this Friday on March 1st. Uh, this is a kind of a, a grittier, re, uh, a darker retelling of the the fairy tale uh, Jack and the Beanstalk that we all know uh, from growing up. And I got to say that I was pleasantly surprised that this film was actually okay, that this movie definitely has its problems. 
But I think overall, I had a really enjoyable experience watching it. <laughs> I, right. I, I did not think that this movie was as bad as the promotion led it on to be. I, uh, I mean, the premise sounds somewhat silly. The the posters that I've seen seem silly and stupid, and, and the trailers uh, look bad. But surprisingly, this movie's okay. I'm not going to say this movie is good or this movie is terrible. I, I just think it's okay. And I, I had really low expectations going into it. And I was ex- really surprised that there were things in this movie that I like in general. I, I like Ewan McGregor in this film. I like Stanley Tucci in this film. Um, I actually think the weakest parts of this movie are um, the two leads, uh, Nicholas Holt and Eleanor Tom- Tomlinson. I, I, I don't, I think they're just really bland uh, compared to like the supporting characters who have this uh, personality to them, it's it's actually one of my uh, the the least uh, thing I, I I I didn't like in the film. I like the giants in this movie. I, I thought the giants were uh, cool to see. I, I was very happy to see that they weren't the same. They didn't all look the same. They were very distinct. You can tell them apart. Um, they they had different personalities, and they didn't all just seem to be you know one the same uh, guy yeah the same concept over and over again i uh those are definitely things that i appreciated with um jack the giant slayer but uh, again saying that i don't think this is a great film or even a good film but uh, again it's just really okay <laughs> uh, but i think because of my lower expectations i'm i'm giving it somewhat of a positive review yeah, i think that's what happened with me when i saw battleship is that i expected it to be so expected it to be such a horrible movie from everything I'd heard about it when I did watch it. I didn't think it was that bad just just because of how low my expectations were for it. Well, I had low expectations going into that, and I thought that was a terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you, but well, yeah, I mean, definitely, I didn't, I didn't think that was a great movie, but but I mean, I didn't think it was super horrible either. But yeah, and uh, I, I think Jack the Giant Slayer. Uh, I guess in the genre that it's in, this this uh, new era of of gritty fan, uh, fantasy fairy tale movies, it's probably one of the better ones in that genre. I mean, I think this is better than Snow White and the Huntsman. I think this is better than Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. And if we're going to see more of these, um, you know, darker, grittier takes on fairy tales, uh, I, I think you can do no worse than than Jack the Giant Slayer. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I got to see this as well with. With my son, it is PG thirteen though, right? Yeah, actually, uh, how, how did your son take to this? I mean, this movie seemed a little darker for 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 kids. I would say. I mean, uh, yeah, what, what, yeah. I guess that's one of the things this movie that like I somewhat had that I didn't like about the movies was that it couldn't find a tone that it kind of wanted to stay with because there was kind of like you know like gross out humor. That that was or like kind of like silly humor, but then there would be like really dark stuff with, with the giants eating people, and so I guess it never kind of found that like strict balance of what it really wanted to do, because you know like there's a, a there's a giant picking its nose and then eating the booger, or yeah. like a giant farting or yeah I mean I I, I laughed at all that stuff you know yeah. I mean I, and, I, and so so didn't he so I mean I I guess. But then there's like the one where like a giant almost drops the f bomb at at one point, but it's cut short. So it's it's like one of those jokes where oh we're gonna swear and then we're not gonna swear actually. But yeah, like all all the the gross out humor 
I mean, I, I, I have to admit, I find that stuff pretty funny. Uh, I mean, I, I have a, a rule about fart jokes that you don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to be a certain smart. age. Well, you don't have to be smart to get a right. fart joke, yeah. but you'd have to be pretty dumb not to laugh. <laughs> That's generally how a fart jokes in general. And like you're saying, I, I really enjoyed Ewan McGregor in the movie too. I thought he was like one of the the best parts of the film, and I, I liked the the tag to the movie too. How they they kind of show like how the the tale of Jack and the Beanstalk yeah, changed I, and morphed throughout time. So it's what we know now. I think my one of the biggest takeaways I took from the movie that there was a, a breath of imagination. I, I don't think this movie was. I mean, I wish this movie was heavily dominated by its imagination, by the the, the filmmaker's imagination. Uh, namely, I, I was thinking of like Terrence, uh, not Terrence, uh, Terry Gilliam films, and those movies are just chock full of of strange and interesting and imaginative um, visions and imagery, but. This Jack the Giant Slayer had flourishes of that, but I, I really wish it was dominated by that. Um, and I, I, I guess that there's not really that sub subversive streak that Terry Gilliam is known for. And, you know, I think this movie could have been something better, but for what it is, it's all right. Uh, and yeah, truth be told, I mean, it's just an all right movie. I don't think it's again, I don't think it's terrible, but at the same time, I don't think it's good either. Just right there in the middle. I didn't think about this before, but this would actually be the first time that Brian Singer is now going to be working with N uh, Nicholas Holt because he'll have done this with him. And then when he does the X-Men Days of the Future Past, Nicholas Holt's coming back in that to play Beast again. So yeah, I guess it's kind of nice that they got to start their working relationship with this movie. <laughs> oh, and then we didn't mention it, but Bill Nye is actually the voice of more or less the main uh, giant I think that, oh that was one other thing that I didn't I didn't like I didn't think that 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 he really needed that second head that was supposed to be all kind of uh, yeah I, I don't know I don't that know. second head was uh, you know I mean it was kind of creepy <laughs> to yeah. see a, a second head on his shoulder but I, I had really no problems with it I mean I I think uh, again I think that it's part of that whole the film doesn't know what kind of tone it wants to go for whether it's going to be like a a wacky kids comedy or, or somewhat serious. And yeah. perhaps that this giant just represents the, the struggle between the two tones. Yeah. So not, that, not to sound pretentious or anything. That, that giant is a metaphor for the entire film. Yeah. All right. Yeah, guys. So those are our recommendations for the week. Uh, mine, you can check out on YouTube and then this Friday, March 1st, you can check out Rudy's in theaters. Uh, so we'll be back in a few seconds with our main topic, talking about the Oscar nominees and the winners that won this past Sunday at the Oscars. the main topic for the week the oscars were this past sunday and what did you first of all what did you, what did you think of the show the the show is hosted by uh seth MacFarlane, which is a big you know power player within the animation 
right now. What did you think of his hosting for the show? Uh, I thought it was all right. I mean, I I I I, I agree that uh, it was somewhat misogynist and racist, but it, I watched Family Guy quite a bit. I still watch it, like new episodes and, and American Dad, and that's Seth MacFarlane. I mean, <laughs> I, I I I guess because I was aware of his. Uh, his work that it didn't seem so out of the ballpark for me. It really did seem like a live action family guy episode. And that's what I liked about his, um, his first film, Ted, that it was a live action family guy movie. Um, and, and so I enjoyed it and every bit of, uh, his, his raunchiness, his, his lewdness. I, I liked because I find it funny. Call me a misogynist or call me whatever, I, I find I can't help myself. I just find it very funny. Yeah, I thought I thought his opening like monologue in general was was uh, really similar to like you're saying the Family Guy style of kind of comedy because you know has the had a pop culture reference, uh, had a like a crude reference kind of because we're talking about there's a song about we saw your boobs. <laughs> Yeah, and even uh, that song it seems like it would be in a Family Guy episode. Yeah. I, I guess I'll, it went on, on a little too long, but I mean, it was full of cutaways, uh, it was full of nonsense, it was full of pop culture from the '70s and '80s, and I, I that's why I still watch Family Guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's just absolutely absurd and silly, but I, I enjoy it. Well, yeah, like you just said, like you said, it went like it seems like it went on too long. That's kind of the thing with Family Guy too, is where they do a joke where it goes on for such a long time that it becomes unfunny and then it, they keep doing it and then it becomes funny again. Yeah. And that's the brilliance of family guy that they'll, they take a joke, you get it, but they go on too long. It stops being funny, but then it starts being funny again and then it stops. That's uh, I, yeah, just shy I, of I, almost I, not I, being funny. Again. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's a it's a you know a good balancing act and it's a, it's a, it's a genius thing to do but I I did enjoy it. And then there one of the the two presenters for I don't remember for which award it was for, I think it was sound oh, editing sound editing yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark Wahlberg and Ted presented the awards and somebody told me that they actually filmed that little bit with Ted and Mark Wahlberg back in January. Yeah, it seems like they. That, uh, I mean, I don't think that was live yeah. on stage. I mean, that, that teddy bear looked way too good to just superimpose on their, on the spot. Yeah. Um, and the fact that Mark Wahlberg walks out of the screen and then walks, you know, like onto the, the actual stage where, or to, to hand the, the words out. So, I mean, I guess that's, so I'm trying to remember, did, did they say the actual, winners with within like when you see them standing there because i'm trying to think of how like closely guarded they would have needed to keep the, like the winners of those two awards if like if that part was recorded um i'm not sure i, I mean i mean i mean, I mean was, i'm sure it was recorded but i'm not sure when it was recorded yeah. but i mean that that was interesting too and I, that was like another part of the thing where people are giving him uh were kind of upset with Seth MacFarlane for for that with like the the Jewish uh, statements that were making there because I guess there's actually a, a Jewish group within Los Angeles that I don't know if it was in Los Angeles or if it was it was just 
in the U.S. that made a comment or a statement about how they were upset with what Ted had to say at the Oscars. I mean, honestly, I mean, if people weren't upset with uh, Seth MacFarlane, I don't think, I mean, I think that's why he's there. I mean, yeah. maybe the people who brought him on weren't sure what they were going to get, but if if he went on and there wasn't going to be people upset with what he did, then I don't think he would have done a good job. Because, I mean, that's just Seth MacFarlane. I mean, you, they brought him on and that's what you got. That's, that's like the same reason they had Ricky Gervais host the Golden Globes three times was because they knew they knew that he would get a rise out of people and like it, it's better to have the show like that anyways than to have it just be a boring three hours where you're having a tough time watching the entire thing getting through all the way and just having it being a bunch of patting on the back of everybody. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a lose lose situation. I mean, so it was a lose lose situation for anyone who hosts the Oscars. So I'm not surprised that Seth MacFarlane was so raunchy or he got some criticisms at the end. I mean, again, it's just it's just who he is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So from kind of going about that, the first thing we'll talk about is the the short film nominees and then ultimately the winner at the Oscars this year for the short film and the feature film nominees. They basically did both those animation categories back to back so if you're an animation fan you got that pretty much done and over with within like the first 20 minutes of the show um but the nominees that they had nominated this year we've talked about these a little bit before on the show were adam and dog head over heels fresh guacamole maggie simpson the longest daycare and paperman and ultimately paperman was was the winner for that john cars uh so so i mean the, I'm, I'm really glad paperman did win because I had already heard about John Carr's pursuing a deal with Disney to uh, make a whole feature film around uh, kind of like that same kind of way he did the animation for Paper Man done in a feature-length film. So I'm really excited to see the prospect of that and what the story will be with that. What do you think? I, I'm sorry, say, say that again? Well, John Carr's uh, has been talking with Disney about doing a feature film in the same kind of animation style as he did Paperman. So it'll be mm-hmm. that CG hand-drawn animation hybrid that he did for that, but in a feature-length film. So, uh, I, I think that, that that could work. I mean, I, ultimately, if there's um, dialogue, I mean, Paperman did not have right. dialogue, but it, it helped the film that it didn't. I mean, it really, you know, I, I don't think any of these... Um, animated short films had dialogue in them and uh, i i did like the the animation for um for paper man i thought it was very clever that everything was black and white but they had the hint of red lipstick uh i, I thought it was a very good film i too was very happy that it won i mean it was my favorite out of the bunch but i think all of these are pretty pretty worthy if, if they did win the the award i don't think any of these were terrible right uh, yeah i mean I had, I had just, I had not seen Adam and Dog up until like a week or so ago, but up until then, I was, I was just assuming that Paperman was going to win. It ultimately, did end up winning, uh, but after I saw Adam and Dog, I, I kind of actually wanted that to win, uh, just because I, I had enjoyed that a lot after watching it. But like you're saying, I wasn't, I wouldn't have been mad had any of these won. And same thing with all the feature film nominees, because actually the feature film nominees 
all five of those were on my my top five for the animated films last year. So, I mean, I would have been happiest had Paranorman won, but I, I was still happy regardless who who won. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I liked the animation for Maggie Simpson in the Longest Daycare. I, it was it it was much like what you would see from like a regular Simpsons episode, but uh, you know, I had the, a little bit longer of like a budget. Uh, no longer of a budget. I it seemed like I had a bigger budget, kind of like it looked closer to what the, the film looked like for animation more so than what the TV show looks like. And actually, to be honest, I haven't watched a new episode of The Simpsons in. I don't think I've seen an HD uh, widescreen version of The Simpsons ep- like TV episode. Oh man, I mean, I I, I said that I still watch Family Guy. I still watch The Simpsons too every Sunday. And you're missing out, man. I mean, it's it's definitely not as good as it was in the first couple seasons, but it's definitely not as bad as as it used to be either. I think the people at The Simpsons are doing pretty some pretty creative stuff um, over there, just in terms of of what they're doing with these characters, in terms of uh, of the stories that they're presenting and the jokes that they have. They seem to be a little bit more sophisticated for my adult palate, um, and and also they're also peppering these uh, shorts in in these episodes as well like perhaps an episode would go a little short so they give you a five minute uh short uh film with millhouse and bart or something was was the longest daycare one of those at all i I don't think the longest daycare was one of those that was a theatrical one just for was ice age i think it was in front of fourth ice age film but i uh, i would i would recommend checking out the simpsons Uh, it's it's i i'm i'm a long I mean, I've been watching it for as long as I could remember, and I still continue to watch it. Then, and I can definitely say it's not as good as it used to be in those first ten seasons. But come on, what show is after what twenty five, twenty four years of, of oh, TV? Yeah. Um, I will say the last probably three seasons of The Simpsons have been really rewarding for me. Yeah, I wish I wish they would add it to Netflix Instant I, I, since I don't have cable, so I'd, I'd either have to commit to buying. Um, at least, like, well, I guess at least one episode or like a season pass to it on, on iTunes. But, uh, I mean, I'm, I mean, I I like The Simpsons. I, I own the first season on DVD, and uh, I used to watch it when I did have cable, and I would, you know, I I liked all the those first seasons to it and whatnot. But I definitely do need to get back into it, and Fox add Simpsons to Netflix Instant because. I'm sure that would do really well on Netflix too, if especially with not, what season are they in? Twenty, I think twenty-four, four. twenty-five. I'm I'm not so. quite sure, but pretty long time. Yes, I mean there's a twenty-four seasons of The Simpsons on Netflix. That'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, but the, and Fresh Guacamole was really good too. When we had the live-action Toy Story guys on here, um, Jesse recommended this as, as his recommendation recommendation when he was on and it's, it's a cool kind of creative way of the way they did the stop motion animation for it with you know like cutting up the the different household items like to use them as part of the like guacamole like like you see the dice uh, uh is i think what it was diced tomatoes so nice little pun with that <laughs> uh, yeah. but yeah I, I enjoy that i thought that was cool like showing like the the chip as a chip 
But yeah, I, I really liked um, fresh guacamole quite a bit. I thought it was really imaginative and and inventive, and I thought it was pretty clever the way they they did use stop uh, stop motion animation for like real like. I mean, it wasn't clay or it wasn't uh, miniatures. It was just actual items and. Uh, yeah. It was it was short to boot, so that that can only mean leagues to uh, the quality of of the short film. Definitely, uh, and then Head Over Heels I thought was pretty good. It was an, another claymation film. It was uh, it was about like an older couple where like the gravity is kind of off shifted, where uh, the the husband is on the ceiling. Well, actually, like when it's going on, like the house is just like spinning in space. And then at a certain point in the short, they land, and then, like, he's on the ceiling. And the, you can kind of tell they've had, like, an argument, but they're, like, trying to rekindle maybe what they once had. And what did you think of Head Over Heels? I, I liked Head Over Heels. Uh, again, it was uh, very, very clever. I was reminded of this this upcoming movie called Upside Down. Oh, oh yeah. Upside that's yeah. coming out with um, uh, Kristen Dunst, Dunst and uh, Jim Sturgis. Yes, a Jim Sturgis. I, I, I had that thought, but I, it's 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 a clever, uh, clever short film. I was just wondering why the gravity was like that, but I, it's it's something that I accepted, um, and and it was touching. It was like this a uh, couple again, like you said, rekindling what they, what they had, and I, I thought it was uh, you know every now and then you just have to remember why you fell in love with this person, and that could only spark uh, the relationship between two people. Maybe Head Over Heels is the sequel to Upside Down. This is Jim Sturgis and Kirsten Dunst way, way into their their 80s after they've, they've grown apart in their, their elder years. Perhaps. I thought of Up as well. Oh, yeah. I, I saw that, too. People were comparing it to, to Up. So, yeah, so if you, if you mix Up and the upcoming movie Upside Down, there's Head Over Heels. Uh, and, and then we talked a bit about. I, well, I talked a bit about Adam and Dog. What? What did you got to see a trailer for this? You haven't seen the entire film yet. But what did you think from what you got of the film from that trailer? I, I'm looking forward to watching the the film. It, it looks it looks really good. I like the animation of it, and I, I I get this feeling like it feels like it's like Adam before Eve, like Adam like the from the biblical yeah. creation story, wandering the earth, befriending all the animals, and I thought it was. Uh, it looked really good, and it's something that I am very curious to check out. It's definitely really good, and like Matt said before, the animation in this is is really beautiful. We've said that our, our friend Austin worked on it, and if if you wanted to, you could pause any scene from this, uh, bring it and print it out, and you'd have a nice piece of art on your wall. But yeah, so those are the shorts, and ultimately Paper Man won. So I'm I'm glad for that, and John Carr's will be able to have a long, successful career with Disney now because of that. Uh, then the feature film nominees were Frank and Weenie, Paranorman, The Pirates Band of Misfits, all of which were stop motion, which that's pretty awesome that two-thirds of the uh, animated feature nominations were stop motion films this year. Uh, and then the last two were Wreck-It Ralph and Brave. And then also Brave, Wreck-It Ralph, and Frank and we were all from Disney, too. So Disney did pretty well at, at the Oscars just by all the nominations. And then if you add in Paperman there, they had four nominations for the animation categories. Uh, so what, what, 
I guess what was what did you think about Frank and Winnie when you got to to see that Rudy? I I was not a fan of Frank and Winnie. I think the, the animation was was great, uh, and the fact that these were black and white um, figures and in um, stop motion. But I think overall, I think there was it felt. I mean, it was based on a short that Tim Burton did in in the late '80s or the early '80s, and it, you really get that feeling that they're really stretching it out to make um, a, a longer film. I also found the film to be incredibly racist, and so I <laughs> oh the yeah the um, what's it the the, 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 the Japanese it? character oh yeah that, yeah was like uh, I can't remember what his name was in the movie uh, it was ridiculously stereotypical Japanese uh, character, and also the the Godzilla reference in there yeah, did the not turtle. bode well for me being Asian American <laughs> myself. I uh, um, I I was not a fan of Frank and Weenie. But Paranorman, I, I did enjoy quite a bit. And that's, that was actually the movie that I was rooting for to win the best uh, animated um, Oscar. I, I knew As it wasn't was going I. to happen, but I that was the one that I would have picked. Yeah, I, I would have loved Paranorman to win. I mean, I was I was fine with, with Brave winning, but I mean, I, I would have definitely been the happiest had Paranorman won. That would have meant, you know, like I would have been able to maybe possibly get more budget for their their films so they could even, even make them even possibly better than they are right now I'm, I'm already interested in their next film the box trolls that's going to be coming out in a few years Th- did you hear about that too the box trolls no uh it's it sounds pretty it's it's in like as you know vein of kind of creepy animation where it's based on a book called here be monsters uh and i guess they actually started uh developing this back in, in 2008 but Ben Kingsley is going to be in it uh, as Tony Collette, Elle Fanning, uh, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost. So that has me really excited. And Tracy Morgan is going to be in it as well. And it's it's basically like these kind of, they're not really trolls, but they live under under the city. And it's it'll be interesting to kind of see like the quirkiness of like there's cheese involved with it at some point for some reason. Uh, but it just seems like another kind of cool, quirky film from, from Leica. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that too. Uh, yeah. And like you were saying, Paranorman, I, I really wish that that had one, but I, that was my favorite film by far. I liked the, the theme of that movie. I liked the way it was animated and the references that it made and kind of homages it played to 1980s films and, just everything about that film I enjoyed. Uh, and then you said you didn't get to see the pirates, right? No, I did not. I think you would enjoy that too. It was, it was directed by Peter Lord. It was the first movie he directed for uh, Ardman since directing Chicken Run way back in the early 2000s. Since he's been producing a bunch of their films since then. But I thought I thought it was really good. Uh, it's based on another series of books called The Pirates. And there's a Flight of the Concord song in it. So I thought that was awesome. Uh, the animation, again, is pretty great. I liked that Ardman went back to actually doing the stop-motion claymation for this film and not and not the CG that they had. I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed Arthur Christmas and the CG that they did do for that, but I, I liked their kind of style of CG animation that... I'm not... Jeez their style of claymation that they do because their character I like I just like the way that they do their character designs for those and I think I think you'd really enjoy it. it's got a, a nice sense of humor to it it's, it's kind of got a like a British 
like wit to it too. So if you enjoy anything with like like if you enjoyed the original version of the office, it's kind of it's sort of bits of humor like that within the movie. So and it's definitely not like any type of a, a, like a kiddie film at all because a lot of the jokes in it I think went right over my son's head, but I thought were pretty funny. So it's definitely worth checking that one out if you haven't seen it. And I would I would have actually I thought what I thought it would have been cool if if the pirates had surprised everybody and had actually won the Oscar on Oscar night too, but hopefully we get to either either see another pirates uh film from Ardman based on another book in the series or another film from him soon done in the claymation. Uh and the next one or, or actually, from from the trailers that you saw for the pirates, what did you think of it? Just from like that marketing for it. Well, I thought it was uh, the animation was good. It looked uh, kooky, uh, but I, there was I remember there was a press screening. There were a couple of press screenings of of p- the pirates movie, but I I missed all of them, and I regretted missing them after I heard about how good they were. So it's something that I do need to catch up on. Um, but outside of that, I thought, uh, it looked really, uh, I mean, when you said that the Flight of the Concords had a song in it, that kind of piqued my interest because I'm, I'm a big yeah. Flight of the Concords uh, fan. It's, I'm not crying. Oh, okay. So it's not a new song. No. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's appropriately used in the context of the film too. And I thought that like the minute it started playing in the film, I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> And it was it was funny because at the screening I went to for the Pirates, Peter Lord was actually there, so he was saying that he's always been a fan of the Flight of the Concords. So he, the chance that that he finally got to put one of their songs in one of his movies, he was pretty happy about that. Uh, yeah, so definitely go check out the Pirates on blue. It's on Blu-ray right now, so definitely go grab that. Uh, the next one we talked about a bit already, the Wreck-It Ralph. Um, and we talked about The Simpsons, too. Rich Moore used to, or has directed episodes of The Simpsons. And didn't, he directed the, the film, too, right? The Simpsons movie? I believe Or no, it was David Silverman that did the movie. Uh, but, yeah, and he's also done episodes of Futurama, and Futurama's an awesome show. And, yeah, so, I mean, I, I enjoyed Rick It Ruff a lot. I know there's a lot of people, the least that I follow on Twitter with both personally and through the the podcast Twitter feed that really were pulling for Wreck-It Ralph to win. And and I I think that's what the consensus was, that people either thought it would be Wreck-It Ralph or Brave, ultimately ended up going to Brave. So what do you think about that? If you you got to choose, I'm assuming you would have wanted Paper Man to win, and it did. So if you had, and you said you wanted, you would have wanted Paranorman to win for the feature film, right? Yeah. So, what did you think about Brave when you saw it? Although, I guess to expand a little bit more on what you'd said about it earlier in the show. I mean, it's a, I, again, I'm not a very. Uh, I, I thought Brave was a pretty pretty mediocre film. I thought Brave um, looked fantastic, first of all, but I, I think it felt really incomplete. You know, and yeah. it, there there are definitely reasons why the the movie felt incomplete that were outside of the the movie itself, but that goes along with the business of making movies. Um, I, I'm okay with it winning because, you know, it was bound to happen. I mean, I, I think if Wreck-It Ralph would have won, I would have been more upset. <laughs> I, I, 
I I don't think that that movie is best picture worthy just based on I mean it, it's a movie that just bombards you with with images like watch me 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 you know and, and that that was the thing about the film that I wasn't so keen on it was just like uh it felt like uh, the Wachowski speed racer movie you know with with very I mean I didn't think the heart that it had in the movie was was going for anything original or anything or or heartfelt it seemed to hit those notes pretty well uh, again i i know i'm in the minority about wreck it ralph but you know for me it had to go a little bit further than just nostalgia of video games yeah i think like what you're saying about brave is maybe some of the reasons why it feels a little bit disconnected and why it's partly it seems like it's split in two is because it had two different directors and, and I was actually happy that uh, Renna Chapman was able to, to win an Oscar for it and she was able to get an award for it since she was the original director on it. And it's based off of an idea she had revolving around her own daughter and the relationship that they have. And I mean, I thought that, I thought that was really cool though, that, that she got to accept the award with, with Mark Andrews who replaced her as the director on the film. And I, th- I think at one point maybe the film would have been something different had she directed the entire film and not been replaced. Yeah, I'm but, sure down the line, like 15 years from now, we'll get the the documentary "What Happened on Brave." Yeah. We'll get the book, you know, like the the truth behind Brave, you know. Yeah. Um, other, as of right uh, now, I I have no idea what happened uh, behind. Yeah. Uh, behind the scenes of, of the making of brave, but I'm sure we'll get that book somewhere down the line. Yeah. Eventually someday. And, and then what was the other nice thing is that she was the, the first uh, female director to win for the best animated feature uh, award. Shrek had a, a female director on it, but the, the year that, that they came out, they were giving the, the Oscar to the producers of the film and not the directors at that point. So I guess that, that doesn't count. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'll be interested to to eventually hear hear what happened. And what's kind of interesting is that that she ended up like leaving Disney altogether uh, a few months back, but and going to um, Lucasfilm, which she she essentially left Disney to then come back to Disney. But so I thought that was kind of ironically somewhat funny, I guess. I bet. I'm sure that she probably maybe thought that was too. But yeah, so winners for the Oscars this year, Paperman short, brave feature film. Uh, if without, this is going to be a kind of, I guess, kind of a stupid thing to do, but without seeing any of the animated films this year, but knowing what's coming out, who do you think will win next year for the best animated feature? I could tell you that it's probably going to be a Pixar movie or a Disney movie. They usually shake out to be... I mean, out of the whole time they had this category, how many movies were not Pixar yeah. or or or, um, or Disney? Uh, I mean, very maybe DreamWorks, you know, but you're never going to see Fox or Sony or any other smaller, um, well, smaller in, in terms of animation uh, um, studio win uh, that that award. Definitely. So I'm thinking it's probably going to be either Frozen or um, Monsters University. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming that's what it'll be, too. And I, and I bet next year 
it'll probably be the blue umbrella that wins for the short too because no, since it's making the the festival circuit now so it'll be eligible for next year but yeah that's our our show for today and oh yeah and then 2014 how to train a dragon 2 comes out so I'm, I'm sure if that's just as good as the first film that'll give whatever films come out that year a run for the oscar that year so yeah that was that's our show for the day guys uh don't forget you can follow us individually on twitter i'm at mark Everett. uh where can they follow you again on twitter rudy uh, you can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Rudy underscore Obias. That's R-U-D-I-E underscore O-B-I-A-S. Uh, or you can follow our show at Animated Podcast. Uh, feel free to email us at animationfascinationpodcast at gmail.com. You can also visit our site where we've continually been putting out news for the past week or two uh, at animationfascination.wordpress.com. And we're going to continue to try to update that daily and as much as we can with whatever animation news is put out uh, and then you can also like us on facebook just by searching for animation fascination and we we did hit our goal of getting to 300 likes by the end of february we're actually up to 310 or 11 right now as i as we talk and record uh so that's pretty cool thanks guys uh so for myself i'm mark river matt quest who couldn't make it today and our guest host rudy obias thank you for listening and make sure to tune in again next time guys Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, no problem. If you ever want to come out again, just let me know. All right. Cool. All right, later. Bye-bye. watch this youtube clip it only takes 30 seconds and okay. it's not a hard take video it's uh, uh you, you're gonna be hearing this and let me just set this up for you uh this guy is um uh, taping his friend who seems to be an adult like a grown-up like in his 30s or 40s and he he didn't know he, he went this whole time of his life not knowing that and hopefully i don't spoil this for you but that that darth vader is luke skywalker's father so but let me watch this first I'm sorry. That's hilarious. <laughs>